Okay. So I'm in the car driving back from Spokane and um, it's been a minute since we recorded the last thing. Um, I just listened back to it and it is terribly rambly. I will probably post it um, because there's some interesting nuggets in there that I don't think I can recreate, but um, just we're going to start with some apologies. Um, yeah, so thank you for your patience on this. Um, a few of you have asked me about episodes recently and I have a lot of thoughts jotted down but haven't just haven't returned to them. So since I have about five hours left in this drive, um, in this seven hour drive, we're going to address a few of them. Um, first and foremost to organize like thoughts on the last few episodes. The first thing is like, if you are someone who's looking to reconcile your inner life with your outer life, this podcast is for you. I think this is my biggest uh, reason for exploring um, different cultures and different um, sacred texts and different religions and religious movements and spiritual practices, all of the above, um, is simply to do some reconciliation, to figure out, like, there's some things that I have felt or experienced um, that I can't deny, but I also don't know what to do with in terms of, like, moving forward. They were very... Um, out of this current space and time feelings or experiences and I like the energy that was created there and it's very motivational but I don't know how to like insert it into my mundane everyday life um, and and this is what I think we all need help with like how do we transcend the profane and be in the sacred um, all the time and if I have if we've been friends at all for the last several years, uh, you've probably received one of many books from me for Christmas or your birthday. Um, one of which is The Sacred and the Profane by Marcia Eliade, and the other one is The Power of Myth by Joseph Campbell. Um, both of these are were total game changers to me. I read them in high school, wrote a couple papers on them. Thank you, Mrs. Steiner. And um, just was the, kind of the first literature that I came across that allowed me to like step back from the religious practice that I was leading at the time that I was born into and ask myself what is this doing for me do you mean like what is this thing that I'm studying allow me to do better or worse during the day um does it make me a better person does it make me a more compassionate person does it make me a less compassionate person like what is this doing for me and, um, and so to be able to like step away or not like back in a way seem negative, but just step out of, there we go, step out of ritual and take a look at it, like holding it out in front of you and kind of turning it around and seeing it from all different sides. Um, I've, I've experienced this, like it allows me to see it for what it is and then opt into it. Um, one of the things that... Eliade, um, his entire thesis was, was ritual to the believer is a real thing. So no matter whether it happened historically or not, or geographically or not, or geopolitically or not, there's no need to do tan, like tangible apologetics, right? Um, and apologetics is simply an academic term for a defense of, 
Um, so lots of people like to defend the historicity of the Bible by pointing to um, anchoring facts, right, within the Bible. Like it references um, a plague in Egypt. And so they found, they researched and found the actual, like, possible year that a plague of locusts could have wandered around Asia through archaeological studies, right? So that, that would be that would be like a historical apologetic for the Bible. Um, or because this particular pyramid is looking and shaping and located similar to what is described in the sacred text, therefore the sacred text must be true in some way. And Eliade says to the ritual believer, um, truth, trueness in that sense of the word doesn't mean anything. What's true to them is that the ritual has transported them back to original sacred space and time and lifted them out of the profane and allowed them to tap back into some higher self, right? Um, this is where you, you, when you marry Eliade with um, Maslow's pyramid, you end up with self-actualization being a transcendent space where you get to be, you get to be very self-motivated and your workflow is better and your life flow is better and you're not constantly in survival mode or seeking love and belonging or things like that. You are internally motivated um, and you accomplish all that you're meant to. Fascinating like Venn diagram there between philosophies. So between Eliade and his, and his main thesis on the ritual means something to believer that to a non-believer makes maybe zero sense and doesn't actually matter. Um, and then the power of myth from Campbell was, it was originally, a an interview with, um, Bill Moyer on PBS. And, but as you take and study it as a text rather than an interview, you get to realize like you had the same thought process, but expanded that to include, um, like pop culture. Right. So he was kind of around in the seventies and kind of doing the height of his, the height of his popularity in the seventies when um, taking a look at what pop culture was doing to us, doing for us, or doing against us, was really quite an important part of our American narrative, right? So to take it one step further, you say something along the lines of our current American narrative is wrapped up in politics. But instead of politics being a healthy debate, what it is is a new set of warring religions. You have the people on the left who have a specific set of values and a specific set of like virtues and stances on things. You have people on the right that have the same, similar, um, and how you vote is so much wrapped up in, is so much determinant of your identity and your ability to claim one or the other community. So um, the, I joked this weekend with my cousins who I was hanging out with that the only thing we're really missing in the new American religion is a high holy day because we, and, and it should be election day, but we don't get it off as a holiday. Um, but it should be right up there with, um, Chinese new year where everything, everything, all business, all commerce, all everything shuts down for an entire week. Like this is how based on our, our theophany in the past as Americans, we should have some kind of high holy day surrounding elections because debate and intellect and politics and 
elections are so much part of our ingrained sacred texts and sacred history that we you'd think we would already that would be the final kind of gem in the crown of an American religion that is politics anyway so so anything that you my point being anything that you come across it doesn't have to be wrapped up in incense and robes it can be a religion of a modern day um, it just has to have a few certain markers that you're looking for to, to make the determination that it's a religious movement um, a couple of those things we should talk about are four quadrants of a religious movement so um, this is a, a framework that's used to compare and contrast um, religious movements um, being that they have four quadrants so when you compare and contrast them you really ought to be comparing and contrasting one quadrant to one quadrant so that you're not like comparing past or comparing unfairly from one to the other uh, so those are ritual ideology community and institution um, so whenever you're comparing religion you need to make sure you're comparing the ritual to the ritual the ideology to the ideology the institution to the institution and the community to the community and one of the things that you can determine about a religion is what its mixes or religious movement we'll call it um, is what its mixes like is this religious movement mostly focused on um, ritual and ideology or community and institution or ritual and institution um, community and ideology like what what is the mix um, and the question I posed to my cousins this weekend was how do I in a post COVID world have a balanced religious movement um, where pre-COVID our religious movement was mostly focused on institution and community and seemingly it's shifted the other direction into ritual and ideology but what I'm interested in is maybe ritual ideology and community I don't know how to infuse the institution back into my life because COVID has taught me that I don't really need the institution for very much um, yeah so we that was our Sunday morning um, breakfast conversation which was fascinating so that's that's a uh, on my list of housekeeping items. The four quadrants of a religious movement are one that you'll also um, run to, like hear me talk about a lot. The other is um, the phases of a religious movement's maturity. So, no matter what religious movement it is, you're always going to start with the academic de academic definition of a cult. So it is focused on one thing, and that can be the cult of coffee, the cult of um, Buddha, the cult of the Bible, the cult of whatever, right? And then as it matures, you get into a sectarian phase of this religious movement where, where your religion is defined by what it's not. So I'm a good Catholic because I don't have sex before marriage. I'm a good um, Buddhist because I don't kill worms. I'm a good, like whatever it is, right? Um, I'm a good Mormon because I don't drink coffee. Like, that's that would be the sectarian phase. Um, leading into the pluralist phase where you almost reverse that. You define your religious movement by what it is, not what it's not. So, I'm a Christian because I love everyone. I'm a Buddhist because I meditate. I'm a Muslim because I wear hijab. Instead of I'm not a good Muslim because I don't wear hijab, right? So, like, 
or I'm a Muslim, I'm a good Muslim because I believe in Allah. Like, you, it's more of a big tent religiosity rather than a exclusivity. <laughs> so, given those kind of logistical, linguistic things, um, I'm still at the heart that the heart of this is still what does religion do for me regularly? Like what is, where does the rubber meet the road? Um, and how does it study help me in my life? That's what I want to accomplish here. And I think what we will do going forward now that we're through some of these like rambly housekeeping things just to catch you up, um, is really take a look at, um, very specific very specific aspects of a religious movement I, I never want to presume to speak for um, the adherence to a religious movement the devout ones, the current practicing anything like that but take one specific ritual or, or practice and kind of pick it apart and dive into it and figure out how to like apply that to your current life or what it could help you achieve, right? Um, for example, I was just on the phone with a friend of mine, um, cause I had reception. Now I don't. So I'm talking to myself. <laughs> um, one of the things she was, she was like, she spent the weekend cleaning her house and just rearranging furniture. And she's like, I felt just this irrational need to do this. And so much so that I was up till three o'clock in the morning. It's absolutely crazy. I need to go to bed early tonight, blah, blah, blah. Right. And I said, well, kind of nonchalantly I said well you're headed into the feminine side of the year like this is exactly the time to do that and she just laughed she's like wait a second tell me more I was like well if you look at every single um, religious movement or holy ritual that was held in the fall they are all in celebration or worship of a female deity this is like harvest festivals around the world moon festivals around the world even within Catholicism you have the assumption of Mary in the fall Whereas the ascension of Jesus is in the spring and the summer. Like, you just end up with a more feminine side of the year within Judaism. Uh, this weekend is Yom Kippur. We've just had Rosh Hashanah. It's like, as a matrilineal religion, its high, highest holy days are focused around the fall rather than the summer. So, rather than spring, summer. So we talked through that for a little bit and she just sat back and was like, oh, like I get it. Like, this this is a time designed for me as a woman. So I need to be utilizing it better. It's like, yes, exactly. Like you can, the way to transform your mundane and your profane into sacred is through ritual. And the best way to enter into a ritual is through a liturgical calendar. And luckily for us, the most, most basic original liturgical calendar is the seasonal one. So Anytime you shift seasons, that's a new beginning, and it's a great way to kind of get on, get on the wheel, um, almost like a ski lift, right? You got to wait until that chair comes around, and then sit on the right time, so you're getting smacked in the head and shoved down the mountain. Um, but yeah, so that's that's kind of the question at the heart of this: is like religion, worship, practice, spirituality have been around for as long, if not longer, than man itself. And it's obviously something that's important enough that we have given up time to hunt, fish, gather, make money, ha- like have babies, whatever, in order to like 
develop and understand systems of religion. So why do we do that? And what is it doing for us? That's, that's the principal question I want to answer um, globally and locally as much as humanly possible um, through this podcast. So um, that being said, that's, that's the, we're done with, with rambling introductions. Um, and we will start getting into some very specific rituals from actual identifiable practices um, if you have any suggestions for what those are, or if you always wondered about, I mean, even the question about like, so within my faith, we do this, we fast once a month, we fast for 40 days. We, um, always, we like avoid putting our chopsticks straight up in a bowl of rice. Why do we do that? These are things that I want to explore together. I don't claim to have all the answers, um, but we can certainly get into them together, uh, find some resources and help you develop a a ritual and spiritual practice that is built for you that is outside time and space and not beholden to anyone else so um anyway thanks for thanks for hanging in there you guys are champs and i'll see you next episode